I shouldn't actually joke about that. I'll give myself nightmares. That thing still scares the living shit out of me. Really? Yeah, really. Hmm. <laughs> a friend got the video game, and uh, one of the sound effects in the video game is the alien unit, alien tank units do the chant whenever they're just wandering around. And I walked into his house, heard it, and immediately went home. <laughs> Did that hit you hard? <laughs> yeah. yeah four oh, we've media, all got those yeah. memories of hiding under a bed at seven. Anyway. I, I, so, you know I don't think I've ever actually sat down and listened to that. It's it's really good music. It's really fun stuff. Um, and there's an inexplicable love song, pop song, just jammed in the middle there to try and sell the album. Uh, but it's it's really quite good. Hmm. Um, also scary as shit. And it is a reference point for us to refer to the Space Tyrant. <laughs> but I guess, first of all, that's Clay. That's Tyler. And this is from The Rooftops, a podcast about superheroes. Or supervillains um, in this case. Yes. Yes, it's pretty hard to get tyrant in your name and be a good guy. Well, unless you're like a dinosaur theme, you know? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, yes. Okay, you know, sweeping everything off the desk. We're going to talk about dinosaurs now. No. <laughs> uh, so, we are, we are kind of weirdly lucky in that there's lots of stuff that we would have been talking about on this podcast anyway that was just kind of obscure stupid comic shit and now it's like mainstream oh yeah like, I've, I've watched fucking seth myers make references to the snap mm. like pardon fuck yeah and now we get to fucking have the thanos conversation yes and it's uh, like not just thanos though of course there's dark side there's mongo uh there's kang uh there's always one of them uh depending on who's writing him Fucking Despero, you know? Despero is either mm-hmm. some asshole or a big deal, you know? Yep. Uh, uh, mo- mostly, mostly, for my experience, it's Adam Warlock-adjacent stuff, yeah. which largely means the Magus and Thanos and characters that were legally distinct versions of anything from the New Gods. Yeah, like, it's that, it's almost like, I would say it's an in-between space between, like, Cosmic and space because any one of them can be either one of those if they feel like it right yeah yeah thanos can be like a thing from beyond that's just there to ruin your story or thanos can be a person who can interact with you and have a moral conversation um but i guess i'd say uh for context for the listener who is not necessarily at this point an expert in what the fuck we're talking about which we know you are Corey, it's just... Um, what do you mean by the space tyrant? Um, well, so generally the space tyrant has to be a being, like a person with origins, from space, or the future, or out there, or from the ancient times, which is why I include Apocalypse a lot of times. They're big, they're usually, like, overtly alien, usually a weird color, and they yeah, behave in an oppressive manner for some goal of some sort. Usually they're you know, a big angry dude from space here to take over the universe for his philosophical reason. Mm-hmm. And um, a, a good way to consider them as well as a kind of out of context problem mm-hmm. in that, uh, say, in an X Men story, 
you have characters who have day-to-day concerns where they care about whether or not someone knows about their powers or their ability to access or become available to school opportunities or villains or opponents that they have in specific personal life stories. And then Apocalypse comes along and literally none of that matters anymore because Apocalypse is the new context of the new problem you have to deal with. Yeah. And the other thing is they tend to be really singular figures. Like, the scrolls are an alien race who will invade you, right? But, like, you're not going to get invaded by a race of dark sides. Like, new gods are a thing, but dark side is singular and unique in his self. Like, yeah. technically Thanos is, a, is from Titan, but, like, he's the only Titan like him. There's some stuff about yeah. him technically being, like, half-deviant or something. Like, I'm, but, like... Oh. Thanos is Thanos, right? Mongol is Mongol. Yeah. Apocalypse is Apocalypse. And, yeah, like, um, a lot of this stuff ties directly back. This, this is a this is a rare thing in that this is an instance in which something that's in both of the major threads of the, of the um, narrative of big comics, which is Marvel and DC, can both be directly traced to one dude. Um, Jack Kirby fucking loved space shit. Mm-hmm. Like, Jack Kirby's vision of space was hover bikes and space horses and dueling chess battles with death kind of stuff. Like, re- like it, it's kind of it's kind of mean-spirited to say it this way. Very prog rock album cover, mm-hmm. visions of space, like glowing four-headed purple elephants kind of shit. And Jim Starlin, for those who know him, kind of does a lot of these two in like relations like he's made mongo he's made thanos uh i don't know i wouldn't be surprised if he made kang i think i think jack kirby made kang kang the conqueror for those who don't know uh, kirby is responsible for in marvel this Mm -hmm. vision of fucked up space and this this whole notion of a new mythology that synthesized together um the deific and the scientific in that well, in a way that we would just call Kirby-esque these days. Um, and when he transferred from Marvel to DC, there he just did the same thing, and he just rebuilt it. So that's where Darkseid comes from. Mm-hmm. Or Darkseid. Yeah. <laughs> you let that ride while we think of it. But no, it's it's a, it's a, it's a archetype that's kind of unique, because I'm trying to think of any sci-fi that has this sort of you know figure in it. I think part of it is that they think there needs to be this long history that this character can come in and out of. Because, like any other story, that's the main problem, right? And you can kind of see that in films where they twisted Thanos into being the main problem with the MCU. Whereas, in the books, he is one of many that comes and goes. And you look at, you know, like, who do you consider to be comparable in other media and other narratives? So, um, the... So, interestingly, I have actually more historical context for this than I have fictional context. This is about to be about um, Genghis Khan. <laughs> no, uh, though Genghis Khan would actually have been a really good example. Uh, no, specifically what I was thinking of was um, Captain Cook. Hmm. Where, uh, during the Age of Sail and British colonialism, there would be people on these islands who had entire, whole, meaningful lives. They hmm. were building things and discovering things and, and, and trying to solve problems that they dealt with and encountered and they had friends and they had lives and they had family. And then one day Captain Cook showed up and that's what everything is all about right now. 
It is yeah. they their entire cultural interface is a blip on the line of history that is Captain Cook. And sometimes those encounters were Captain Cook shows up with a bunch of dudes who do not look right and they have like metal fire rods and they can kill people in a way that literally is completely beyond your own experience. Um, and then you have versions of that story where you you drive this this new thing completely away or uh, it destroys your way of life. At, like This is really uh, an interesting thing to me because as someone who grew up in a colony, these stories were told to me from the perspective of Captain Cook and all you have to do is look at them from the other side and it's like, oh no, this is a Thanos story. You know, that's interesting because when I was thinking about this concept, I never, for some reason, and I don't know why, I didn't put Vandal Savage in this space. But like, Obviously, he's not like almost he's... too. Like he's almost too much in context. Like he's kind of meant to be the thing that was always there. Yeah, I guess that 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 would make sense, I suppose. But it, it is interesting to think about it like that. But yeah, it's it's this outside yeah. problem that's huge, and like they usually show up with an army, but they don't always need one. You know, I guess that's yeah. I guess when you put it like that, that does kind of. They, they, they discount the idea of Apocalypse fitting in this spectrum, even though he looks the part and like well delivers well, the I same actually vibe. I do think that Apocalypse kind of does work as this kind of space tyrant character um, because he is out of context. Because he take because a lot of the X Men story like Apocalypse is effectively an X Men villain. Mm. All right, I'm, I don't mean to be like dismissive of those brave souls who fought um, Apocalypse. Press F to pay respects, but broadly speaking, he belongs to the X-Men. And he does represent an out-of-context problem in that the the X-Men are, generally speaking, caring about a political window of time that's like five years old in any given comic, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's like, you know, usually the now-ish or uh, uh, a disconnected person's vision of what now is like. And as a direct result of that, the X-Men are caring more about, like, literally day-to-day legislation and day-to-day lives. And, like, they cannot show the X-Men actually over the 40 years they've really existed because they would have too much of an impact on the culture for them to have their own existing metaphor work anymore. So whatever story the X-Men have is really compressed in time. And then Apocalypse shows up, and Apocalypse is from fucking ancient Egypt, which, and I know you're familiar with this, Ancient Egypt is the bullshit ideology hotbed <laughs> of, and, of not That's actually kind of the thing, dude. Like, they not, have a very... Not people from Egyptia? Uh, mm. it, it is a bullshit ideology hotbed for non-Egyptian people. It, it... Well, it's a mysterious past, right? It's not the boy yeah. past. It's not the overtaught past if you're, you know, in primary school. It's the, it's the mysterious past. You have to go study it separately from normal history. Because they're not normal people. Yeah, you get, you get like, alien theories. You get, um, you get a whole bunch of Christians, um, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of, uh, American Christian visions of Egypt are, that's the time when we white people were slaves. Yes. Which, whew, uh, there's a lot going on there. Um, there's also cultural groups that I'm not connected to that I don't feel comfortable shit-talking, necessarily, mm. uh, who use Egyptian 
uh, myth and ideas as like their center point and there's chariot of the gods stuff so there's like you know no humans are descended from aliens that came there's to, Atlantis uh, stuff like, there's like yeah there's so much just stuff that relates to Egypt and Apocalypse is from Egypt so it kind of just all feels to me of like yeah he's from he's from as close to space as you could get on earth mm. And there is, like, the inherent inhumanness of him. Like, at the end of the day, like, Vandal Savage and Ra's al Ghul, or Ra's al Ghul, like, are doing the same thing, right? But yeah. Apocalypse is doing a very different thing. Yeah. I mean, just as an example, Ra's al Ghul bothers to fake his own death periodically. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, he actually wants to look like a human. Yeah. Like, he wants to be a part. And, and, and Vandal Savage, too. They all are part yeah. of society, whereas... Whereas Apocalypse just comes out of nowhere, right? Yeah. Literally comes in, like, an um, issue of X Factor, I want to say. Just like, who is this motherfucker? I'm here now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, canon immigrant. Mm. Um, we have a, a similar, like, so I mentioned earlier uh, the Adam Warlock stuff. Mm. Uh, that's very, that, that, I mean, Adam, Adam Warlock is very much built in that Kirby space of, um, of, of you know, nonsensical space bullshit, and I'm going to just double-check if Adam Warlock was invented by uh, Jack Kirby, and I'm going to look like an absolute dipshit. Um, yeah, he was created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Whoops! Yeah, yeah, that explains that. Um, yeah, uh, Adam, Adam Warlock was root to a lot of stories um, that wound up, like, he's connected to the Infinity Gauntlet that is now, like, the iconic pop culture uh, uh, narrative of uh, um, what's the word for it? Uh, uh, of like, you know, the space tyrant. Like, Thanos is the space tyrant you would most likely know if we mentioned him. And now and it's, not the same. And it's yeah, so weird because like that should Thanos have sucks. been Dark Side. <laughs> Thanos sucks so much though. <sighs> okay. And, and I'm not even Okay. And I'm not even, like, saying, oh, Thanos sucks because I personally don't like him. I'm saying, like, in-universe, Thanos sucks. They did a six-part comic called Infinity Abyss, which was basically delving into the psychology of Thanos and going, oh, hang on, the reason I keep failing when I get infinite power is because I suck. Oh. It... Like, as a person, I'm fundamentally self-defeating. Whoops. Well, too bad for that. <sighs> it, <laughs> but he's big. It is interesting. His chin looks seeing, like a the, sack. seeing the movies, seeing seeing um, the movies made me gave me a fondness for comics. Thanos, right? Yeah, yeah. Because that can be in, that what you're describing is kind of interesting sometimes, right? Yeah. Like what we got well, was uh, actually more boring because it's just a variation on Dark Side. Or, and, and it actually put into context why I never really got involved with Dark Side. It's like, oh, oh, I get it now. And it's kind of like what you were saying earlier about, like, oh, Dark Side lives in a world where slavery, quote unquote, works. And, yeah, the version of Thanos that, you know, mainstream has in their mind now is a world where fucking eugenics works. Although, not as overtly, but that's what's going on, y'all. Over, yeah. in case it needed um, to be said, overpopulation is a eugenicist propaganda, right? It's not a real thing. Yeah. 
Uh, and for anyone, for, like there, there are people who, are, especially in the environmentalist sphere, who are saying like we need to do, we need to do something about overpopulation. What they really mean is we can't sustain a world of California. Mm. Uh, that's not the same thing as well. We need to make sure that there are just uh, about two billion fewer people on Earth because that inevitably starts talking about cutting out the other cultures. Yeah. yeah. It's, it is a, uh, um, a deeply flawed, um, character. And that makes like, like fundamentally these space tyrants are all meant to be big, powerful expressions of flawed ideas. Because so in the case of dark side, and I, at this point, I'm kind of psychoanalyzing Jack Kirby, and I don't want to, like, this isn't authoritative. I haven't read him write about this. I'm talking about this in terms of looking at the work and then, like, peering back through the work as a lens. But in the case of Darkseid, one of the fundamental questions of Superman, well, not questions, one of the fundamental ideas of Superman is the idea that... Oh, hang on. Got some revolution there. Uh, one of the fundamental ideas of Superman is the notion that truth, justice, and the American way is strong and will win, right? The things that these stories can do to scare you about the life and times of Superman tend to be about de- uh, defeating that inevitability, about something that might harm the idea that Superman is going to win because Superman is good. Darkseid is bad and will win. It's the same inevitability flipped on its head. It's literally made of actual evil. Like, he's made of evil particles or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, you know, dark atoms. It, it, and, like, that's dumb as shit, but whatever, I love it. <laughs> and and the, the idea that, like, he believes that the universe, like, like, the universe is designed to serve him, and that it's mathematically true, and he can prove it to you, you know... Yeah. With the, uh, the anti-life equation, and it's such a powerful notion that your will will submit to it, is you know that one always strikes me as amusing because because it, it implies that the equation is capable of uh, uh, being understood by everyone. Like you show someone a piece of math, and everyone looks at it and goes, "Oh, I get it." Well, I mean, according to Grant Morrison, that's what it totally is. And if you fucking put a helmet on somebody's head that like says it to them, they'll become a slave. So, yeah, I'm not wild about that interpretation. I, I do like the idea of a mimetic threat. Like, it's possible that Darkseid has an idea framed in exactly the right way that it effectively pushes you down the uh, the long slope that media studies suggests people can be pushed down. Uh, but uh, that, so the, the term we use in, um, the, the two terms that often get bandied around in media studies about the influence of media on people are the hypodermic and the magic needle. Mm. Sorry, the, ma- the magic bullet. The idea that you can shoot an idea out there and it will hit someone and that person will be affected by that idea and immediately massively transformed by it. And we are from cultures that share stories of times when someone experienced a revolutionary idea for the first time and it massively transformed their life. And, like, everyone's had that story of an annoying friend who got really into, like, the secret or something. Hmm. Um, media studies suggests that that vision of media isn't correct. Yeah, I was gonna that ask, because, like, that, way. that usually, impl- that, like, that, need- that needs to be something in you there to begin with, right? Like, 
They well, nobody. Broadly speaking, the way we tend to frame it, the reason we bring up the hypodermic and the magic bullet is because, and they use the hypodermic because the idea of you didn't notice it being injected into you, but it's there now. Mm. Um, the the reason we bring up that example is because we want to make it very clear that's not how it works. Uh, it's how people think it works, and we need to make sure people understand it doesn't really. Or how people pretend um, they think it works, so they don't have to admit that certain other things are a problem. You know, like. I don't know, yeah, video games and uh, guns we, or something. <laughs> we we talk about we talk about landscapes and we talk about schema, with the idea that what media can do is convince you that what you were already doing was good. It can it can drive you to more satisfaction in the things you already value. Uh, this is why you might notice that that some work, uh, particularly in uh, the Christian replacement sphere that I've talked about in the past, doesn't really have plot. There's not a lot of conflict. Uh, Hallmark movies do this, where there's just the slightest bump of resistance and everything uh, pivots around like someone effectively having a slightly bad moral because the purpose of these stories is to just reinforce to you, the viewer, that the thing you were already on on board with is completely correct. Um, And that means that when we talk about the hypodermic versus the magic bullet versus the landscape, there are people who are going to be in a mental state where something sets them off. Something gives them the metaphor that they wanted. Um, I mean, I, I personally had that happen uh, uh, when it came to, when, when it's come to like really bad days for me uh, where I've been very angry. It's because something person yeah. perfectly positioned in the right part of the morning, just like, bam, well, fine, fuck, that's my whole day room. Like that happens. But it doesn't make me yeah. radically change anything about who I am or what I'm doing. It, and I guess, like, in a situation where, like, if, if, if Dark Side shows up with fucking a million parademons and goddamn, you know, uh, uh, apocalypse is floating in the horizon, and you see that, and then you hear the anti life equation, like, you're primed to believe it, right? You're primed in that situation. Yeah. You know? Well, like there was a, there's a, like to use our Captain Cook example. If this dude shows up on a thing bigger than any building you've ever seen, and it moves, and he can point at someone and they drop dead, you don't necessarily think that guy's a god, but like you don't have a space in your pantheon of like, oh yeah, this is Captain Cookus. It's just you're gonna be inclined to put him in a context outside of what you already had and. Yeah. The other thing that's happened with, with Darkseid is that Darkseid seems to very much want to play in the place of uh, the, the traumatic stress breakdown. Like, people give up hope and they just kind of, like, slump. Like, the, the, the mental image, the, sorry, the image they often use for people affected by Darkseid is they're not, they're not vital anymore. They're not doing their shit the way they used to do them. They're kind of just slumped and depressed and, and in some cases, like, actually vacant-eyed. Hmm. It, and then, then you can look at the way like the actual people on Apocalypse like act, right? Yeah. Like how many times someone has saved like saved the people there, and they just like no, we, this is how we live. This is where we are. This is you know this this the slave people. They just they'll like fight on his behalf after he's been defeated, right? Yeah. The the infamous "I am many things, Cal L, but here I am God." And even like. That's interesting when you compare it to like a character like like Mongol or you know Thanos who don't have that sense of like gravitas to them, right? 
It, yeah. And, and I think that's one of the things that makes Thanos incredibly weak. <coughs> um, conceptually, in, in the Thanos space, especially the one outlined by Infinity War, um, Thanos has followers, but for the most part, they just seem to be followers who just agree with him like in a really fervent way. And his position is really stupid. So it makes the entire conversation about these... It, it, it means he's basically being surrounded by losers who believe a dumb idea. Yeah. And it, depending on which version of Mongo you look at, right? Because sometimes War World is a world that does war. And other times it's a, war, it's a world that war is always happening on. Right? And sometimes it's both. Yeah. And in the latter cases... Like, there are people there who are totally down to all this gladiator shit, right? Yeah. And it's like, but why, though? <laughs> like, it doesn't seem like they're down for him. I, they're just down for the idea. And mm. Now, one of, the, one of the interesting things there is that actually would be a good example for that media studies thing to come up. Because in the context of everything I know has always been war, what do you do without the demand for war, you will usually go reaching for war again if that's your entire media landscape. Like, if every story you have is about war, if every problem you've ever seen solved was solved through war, you kind of got a very limited pool of things to reference. (laughs) And I also think it helps that, like, Uncle gets chumped a whole lot. Like, at one point, Robin beat him. So, and it was Jason Todd Robin. Well, I would say beat. He dropped the Black Mercy on him, right? And, like, that's not much for you. Yeah. That's it for you. <laughs> but, like, and, and he's been, like, fucking, like, on the on the Yellow Lanterns at one point, And he's been fucking, uh, I'm going to say he was subjected to, like, uh, Cyborg Superman's whims at one point. Like, then, like, Mongol seems like less. Like, it's not even like a power thing, because, you know, whatever to that. It's, it's a fucking tone thing. He feels smaller than a lot of the others. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the pettiness, right? And this is why, like, I feel like there's, like, these characters are in a different place than, say, the fucking, not the Eternals, but the Celestials, or Galactus, or, you know, Eternity and stuff like that. Because, like, He's petty. He is mad. A lot of times, he is just fucking mad at Superman in particular. He's gonna come to his house. He's gonna fuck with him. Like, literally, you know? Um, an, an interesting point here to consider as well is that um, the, the, the distinction between consumption and conquest. Go on. Galactus, Galactus will eat Earth. But he doesn't care about eating Earth more than he cares about eating Mars. Mm. Like, the, 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 I, I believe in some stories there's also this idea that Galactus blew through our solar system at one point, and there used mm. to be an extra planet just like, oh, on the way through. Um, but broadly speaking, Galactus is not this character with a really specific um, vision for Earth. There is not some way he wants to remake it. He wants to consume it and put um, and in some versions of the story, um, uh, all the stuff that hoops becomes the Grand Collapse. <laughs> that was a Deadpool comic in my I remember shit. this one story where the universe tried to put Galactus on trial. And 
what ended up being the thing that got him off, I guess, was, like, Galactus is. Like, you can't hold the universe against itself for being the universe. You know? Like, you can't send the universe to prison. So, yeah. like, what? What do we, what, what is even, what is even the point of this trial we're having? And that basically was it. Actually, let me take that back. It wasn't that Galactus was on trial. It was that Reed Richards was on trial for not killing Galactus in a specific instance when she could. And his defense was Galactus uh. is. And that got him off. And I'm like, mm? I, I really like that though. That's some beautiful bullshit. And, but like, well, that the thing is that didn't ask the question of like, are you I don't know. to kill? Um, and, and that's that's a question at the root of uh, both Daredevil and um, and kind of Reed Richards as well. They both go, what are you obligated to do with the power you have? But yes, it, it is a dumb thing because we are talking about an, uh, not just an existential threat for humanity, but an existential threat for the universe. Um, whereas the Deadpool comic that goes in on this with Mister Immortal uh, reveals that Galactus is basically the immune system of the universe, and eventually he will consume everything when everyone's dead poop out a collapse the whole universe ends and then will be restarted and the only person who will survive that is Mr. Immortal and he will then become the next Galactus or he's the last Galactus or, or it's a loop and he's basically the reborn Galactus on Earth but again it's a Deadpool comic don't take it too seriously um, the, the thing is because of this apathy towards what he's consuming uh, Galactus is not a conqueror Galactus is a problem whereas uh, for Thanos especially movie Thanos Thanos is not just spreading uh, an action uh, and killing people Thanos is spreading an ideology and it is important to him that people uh, invest in his ideology which the universe of the story is okay with and tells like you know he can prove it's right, which is fucking horseshit. <sighs> it's a really bad idea storytelling-wise to say, and actually, the villain's got a point when that villain's goal is genociding half the world. Yeah, oh, fuck. Do we want to do that now? Because... <laughs> no, we don't. We're not, we're not going hard on that. We're just talking about, like, the idea that Thanos has an ideology. Yeah. I mean... And, and so, does, so does Apocalypse. And so does fucking... And that's, that's the thing is, like, not just an ideology, but sometimes very specific, like, drip, you know, driven goals that are, like, general. Like Atrocitus from the Red Lanterns, right? Like, Atrocitus. Atrocitus. And they all have names like this, don't they? <laughs> it can't be his, it's his real name. You didn't know okay, about Atrocitus, my dude? Well, I, the thing is, I had the name Atros in my head, but no, that's not actually his name. It is Atrocitus. Like, oh boy! Anyway, go. He's got a whole like Atrocitus has a fucking goal. He has a fucking he has targets. You know he you know he has a fucking oath that you take. You know he goes around. He he finds individual people and tells them they're special. It makes them feel you know special and special cats. He has a cat. Can't be mad at the cat, man. Dexter is great. Yeah. He's the best angry ass cat. But like a guy like that. It's way more personal. If he kills you, it's because of something you did, right? Like he, he really just wants to like uh, spread his influence, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna have my country here, red country. Fuck you, green country, particular." You know. Uh, well, similarly, you could look at also guys like Ronan the Accuser, 
these characters who are definitely uh, uh, on the level of a lot of the space tyrants, but they aren't actually in any way uh, um, the tyrant. Like, Rona the Accuser is something you would... Well, I mean, he was the villain in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's sort of like a ramp up to Thanosness. Yeah. But... I mean, he works like, for somebody else, he's, usually. Yeah, exactly. He's a component of a justice system in an empire. And that empire can care or care less about things, but it's a political entity, whereas the space tyrant is much more like a warlord. Yeah. And, like, Ronan looks like a, a tyrant when you first meet him if you're on Earth, right? If you're Daredevil, and for some reason you meet Ronan, like, that looks the same as Thanos yeah. to you feels the same or sounds the same well, as well. Until well, you meet Thanos and you're like, oh no, this is different. I mean, just because Thanos can't like, be fired. Looks. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I'm still stuck here. Hmm? Did, did, you, did you do that deliberately? What? He looks the same to Daredevil? Yes. Yes. <laughs> doing, <laughs> see how many bla- we're doing Blade jokes and see how many Daredevil jokes I can get in each episode. What <laughs> you say? Like, everyone looks the same to Daredevil. <laughs> Unless it's raining. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you're saying. But yeah, like, because like it has... Yeah, he can be fired. It has all the shapes and the trappings of it until you get into it. It's like, you know, Ronan has been, like, demoted and fired and sent away and, you know, shunned by the Kree. Um, right before Annihilation, he was in some fucking backwater because they're like, Ronan, you keep fucking up. We're tired of you. Go away. <laughs> you can't do that to Thanos. Who? Who would do that to Thanos? Who was going to do that to fucking Darkseid? That could happen to Mongol. That could happen maybe to Atrocitus. But like... But right, like, who's going to fucking fire Thanos? Maybe Galactus, that time he was a herald. I'm pretty sure Thanos was a herald of Galactus at some point. But like... And that, that like, represents the scale, right? When when one of these, you know, space tyrant guys wants to go up a bit, they fucking go talk to someone more important than them. And who is the most important person? Usually someone like Galactus. Or, you know, Eternity or something of that nature. Although, yeah. like, sometimes that dark side is because, like, sometimes... Dark side is. Sometimes dark side is like... Like, the dark side we see is actually, like, a physical manifestation of his actual true infinite godliness in another dimension. Which I think is a Grant Morrison thing. Yeah. And sometimes he's the Superman from the planet across the road. Yeah. And... Which, to be fair, back in pre-Crisis, that was almost exactly the same scope. Right. Yeah, but, like, sometimes he's literally, like, a god or, like, a universe unto himself. And he just, like, extrudes into our universe. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, that feels, like, too much. Um, You know? it, It feels very boring to me because one of the purposes of... The, the characters in superhero comics is they give a material like boundary to big ideas and big things like they're incarnations of stuff and so when Darkseid is like I'm an incarnation of stuff but also I'm that stuff and I'm not the incarnation of that stuff at the same time it's kind of weak like have a material form so we can punch you in the face or don't do yeah and you know that's that's again that's more of fucking you know Grant Morrison's like extremely meta like broader scope stuff and like it even if he's not that there's still the fact that new gods are technically like a thousand times bigger than they look in our world like because their dimension like they shrink to come here so 
Like, yeah. you're just taking that same that's... concept and expanding it further. And it's like, dude, come on, it was already as big as it needed to be, right? And, like, there is some fun, pure tentacle nonsense in all that. Like, blended together, because one of the things that, like, you look, you look into early history visions of, like, how God worked, uh, and how, well, <coughs> and, and I mean, like, this is from a period of history where the idea was that sperm was tiny, tiny humans, and they just grew to full size, and that's why there was the, the belief that you shouldn't spill your seed, because what if it grew up in, like, a ditch somewhere, and you get, like, random people who never had a parent? Like, there was all sorts of weird beliefs going around there. Um, and when you look at those histories, like, what God is like, I mean, God is quite vast. God is actually holding the whole world in his actual hand. And that's why miracles are so rare, because he has to, like, reach in with a finger and poke it. That may or may not be true about the DC Universe, right? Because, like, this, that, yeah. there's the hand of creation. That literal, yeah. however real that is. And if you see it, it'll... If you see it, that fucks up the universe, because it's not supposed to be observed. Yeah. Right? And that... Uh, this, uh, this is all really big, and we've kind of, like, gotten away from the original idea. <laughs> but, it, it... That idea, like, again, like, Thanos being, like, obsessed with death as a... And again, death as a person, as a entity, is still bigger than him, right? And that's... He's obsessed with it, and he, you know... And comics at least pursues it, and that makes him way more, like, human and small in that way, and it, like, compares to something bigger and more important than him, that is just going to do what it's going to do. Except, I guess, in Marvel vs. Capcom, when Death decides to team up with a vampire for shits and giggles. Yeah. <laughs> and then Thanos learns so the that, that's the, that's, that's the other dark side of this, uh... The other side of this, which is when you make these these powerful entities into things that materially impacted, you do have the question of like, okay, yeah, but does Darkseid poop? And and it kind of can diminish them and make them seem uh, unserious. Now we know Galactus poops. Where was I? Oh yes, Galactus Galactus poop. When you start humanizing these entities that are themselves extremely um, unnatural and unreal you do run into a couple of problems. Uh, one of which is when you start to humanize them, you run the risk of lowercase humanizing them. Uh, this is a problem you'll see in a lot of media, which tries to frame some very bad conflicts as like, well, both sides has points by, by humanizing both sides. Um, there was a, a movie that won all one Academy Awards last year. Um, three billboards out of Ebbing, Missouri, I think it's called mm. where the whole, like, part of the thing was like, well, isn't the racist cop also a victim here? It's like, no, fuck that guy. Um, and when they try and, like, delve in on some of these characters and, like, give them a humanity that you can, like, respect, it doesn't make them... It, 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 it's like I said, with all the way back in, like, the third episode, where Darkseid's kind of right, and that's a problem for the universe that he's in. Yeah, it... it again, it's... And that's what happened when you, like, you, you, you explore these ideas, right? Because, like, so you have Apocalypse, right? The Apocalypse is a fucking, you yeah. know, evolutionary fucking Darwinist you know, sort of asshole. But, like, again, that, that's a massive misunderstanding of how evolution works, of how biology works, how history works. Despite having been there, you think he would know better. And... This, this, you go to like the fucking uh, Age of Apocalypse dimension, 
And like everything's all fucked up, right? <laughs> because it's, you know it's not a good universe, right? But then like what does and that kind of like reveals itself, right? Because like Dark Side's working operation of his view of the universe is apocalypse, and apocalypse sucks ass. So you could view that as, I guess, a a statement by the writers that no, they're not right technically because look what happens when they're shown to be right. Everything is terrible, right? Like it's true in the sense that I don't know. I guess it's true in the sense that Darkseid believes he is destined to rule the universe, and he believes it's mathematically true, and he seeks the anti-life equation to satisfy that truth, right? But then you know, uh, Apocalypse thinks all this shit about evolution, and when he gets his way, it's all fucked up, and we have Sugar Man running around, and you don't want Sugar Man. They're terrible. They're so, so terrible. Sugar Man is awful. Sugar Man is so awful. Uh, but <laughs> that that's that's just kind of like debatable, right? Because if you because like that's the thing, if you want to show they're wrong, it has to be on like a fundamental level because they're talking about fundamental aspects of reality, right? Like, yeah, and and that's what that's one of the risks you have when you start humanizing and personalizing these like fundamental ideas, uh, and that's one of the things that's a problem. With uh, with Infinity War the movie, mm. in that you've got you've got this instance where the universe itself looks at Thanos and goes, "Yeah, yeah, you love her. That counts." Mm. Okay, so we are doing that. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not doing that. Not doing that yet. <laughs> not yet. Okay. Not yet. We're gonna let this fester. I don't like festering. That's something Sugar Man would do. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, essentially, the Space Tyrant is a way to basically uh, launch your character's story into a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. It's a way to... Uh, it, it's a way to have a Godzilla-style problem, which you can have an argument with, um, which is really useful in comics because you have such wildly disparate power levels. Like, we mentioned Daredevil a couple of times. It's worth remembering, Daredevil is a guy whose superpowers are actually not very impressive if you don't know he's disabled. <laughs> right? That's why a lot like, of people confuse basically, him for not having superpowers. A lot of people say... Yeah, he's basically like... Some of the writers. <laughs> pretty good martial arts vigilante with a law practice and a good ear for lies. And yet he has participated in stories which feature fucking Galactus because legal mind and, and you, you he can argue these things down rather than just punch them. That does bring to the question of like all the like fourth wall breakies type heroes, you know, like Gwenpool and such. Like <laughs> I don't know why. I said. Gwenpool and Agent X yeah, and, and she yeah, that's, that's the whole list. But I don't I saw some Gwenpool stuff recently that put her in my mind, but, like, like, what, cause, like, yeah, it's funny when Squirrel Girl beats Thanos, and the Watcher shows up to confirm it several times, but, like, hmm, like, but what is the, like, what, 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 what does that character do when faced with, like, reality, like, the actual nature of their reality, right, cause, like, and this is getting really meta, but, like, if Deadpool will exist in your universe, then, yes, you are a comic book character, and, if Animal Man exists, like, what, 
you, you, you kind of want Animal Man to just talk to Dark Side and be like, hey, 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 cuz, look, look, look. You make a paper, alright? <laughs> hey, hey, Thanos, just so you know, you're basically Jack Kirby. You're, you're basically a pissing contest with a guy who never saw you. <laughs> like, once. Like, I want that. I don't want Squirrel Girl beating <laughs> Thanos with squirrels. I want Gwenpool beating Thanos with, like, existential ennui. Like, <laughs> well, read Infinity Abyss then. Does Thanos discover he's a comic book character? <laughs> no, uh, so, so Infinity Abyss is Thanos realizing how he had infinite power at one point, and he didn't even think of, like, I'll make myself happy. And he has, like, a massive depressive crisis, and he tries to become a dad. Oh. Oh. Uh, we've talked... And, and, and I talked yeah, to you about a yeah. Emperor Joker, right? Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Actually, uh, on, on the note of, of uh, going go with that Emperor Joker, but I've got, I've got another... Um, I've got another one. Go on. Right, well, this is a similar thing that happens where uh, Joker, for various chicanery, acquires, like, the power of a fifth-dimensional imp, or, like, you know, mixes spit liquor or bat might, where he can just that kind of thing, yeah. fold reality and do whatever he wants. And so he just makes Joker universe, and part of it is making, you know, Superman miserable and all the villains' heroes. But he also has him just killing Batman over and over and over again. Like, every day at 12 o'clock, he kills Batman in a new, different way. And the way... Uh- Hmm? And then the way, hmm? oh, the way he uh, Superman like solves his problem is basically proving to the Joker that he's obsessed with Batman by saying, "Hey, why don't you just make Batman not exist?" So I can do it. Watch, watch. See, he's gone. And they're like, "Oh no, he isn't. He's right there on your shirt." <laughs> and like, this is basically how he drives Joker to frustration and beats him, despite being, you know, the universe and him being yeah. a strong guy. Yeah. And, and related to that, that's one of those examples of, of the ways in which the boundaries of these characters, like, the, there are people who, the, one, of the, one of the common harps about the Joker is like, well, the Joker wouldn't exist without Batman. It's like, well, yeah, but Batman would exist without the Joker. They don't make each other. Yeah. And, and one of them is more to blame for existing than the other. Mm. Um, so here's a question for you. We have discussed the idea of the, the space tyrant as an out-of-context problem and as an ideological argument that can fight, right? Mm-hmm. Was World War Hulk a space tyrant? Ooh. Kinda? I, I mean, that's, that is, mmm. Mmm. Cause like, I guess so, right? Like. I mean, yeah, and, and it's just that in this case, he's a space tyrant who's right, and yet you still want to mitigate his, uh, his actions. I mean, like, every uh, he has all of the trappings. He feels, like, if you did not know who the Hulk was, and for yeah. and you just showed up, it would feel like that, wouldn't it? Well, Imagine that, that there, there probably is some poor bastard whose first exposure to the Hulk is a copy of World War Hulk. Like, the fuck? What a terrible... This guy's a hero? You know, you know what? Hmm, now, here's the thing, right? Does a space tyrant need to have, like, unit, like, galactic-scale goals? And that's the question. Like, I don't think so. I think the main thing that they need to have is to be that out-of-context problem, that colonizer kind of invasion effect, like Captain Cook or Apocalypse. But, like, I could definitely see the argument that, no, they need to actually connect to space. They need to be able to be removed from literally everything we deal with. Well, I don't know if they necessarily need to have space, but I mean, okay. Okay, so, Green Scar, World War Hulk Hulk. 
defeats all of the Avengers, kills them, smashes them to death. What does he, what is his plan after that? What is his stated oh, goal? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Right? Like, I, I would he just leave? Because, like, yeah. if you read the tie-ins, like, his friends are doing planet stuff. Right? He's not really invested in all of that. Right? But, like, yeah. like, because, like, Meek and the fucking Brood Queen are doing stuff, like, to sp- propagate themselves. And, like, but Hulk, like, sends all the humans away. Right? He's like, all you normal normies, yeah. get out of my town. I just want to fuck up these ten guys. Right? <laughs> like, Apocalypse wanted to take over the whole planet. Apocalypse at least has planet-wide goals, right? It is... A, yeah, it's, though, though also, like, at the same time, that that element of conquest is still there because, effectively, he's rolling in and saying, hey, I'm now in charge of how your justice system works. <laughs> and if you don't like it, talk to the hands. To that extent, like... Like... <laughs> Hmm. Hmm. Also, uh, he does show up with like, like visually. Yeah, no, stylistically, he feels like such. He's he's so like all the trappings they put on the Hulk in World War Hulk are very much the Conqueror. He is depicted as like an invading barbarian. Yeah, I guess it's hard not to fucking only exists in gay porn. Well, I mean that's like. They were, that was intentional, right? Like, they were going for that. They wanted you to feel that way about him. And so then, like, when other things come in, like, the universe goes, yeah, no, he's right. That, god damn it, that is another thing too, right? Like the, <laughs> like, the universe itself. Like, Ghost Rider shows up, and if anyone's an arbiter of, like, rightness or justness or guilt, it's probably the penance there. You get that, and you're like, well, okay, then. Like, it's, the, it's almost the equivalent of, you know, Red Skull and Infinity War going, yeah. Mmm. Mmm. That is a... But yeah, I don't like... Because, like, would Hulk have smashed the Earth after he was done? And then took over the universe? Like, if he had won? Do we think he would have done that? Well, the the fundamental drive of the space tyrant is not necessarily... uh, Like, it doesn't have to be coherent or cohesive. Right? Mm. Like... Like, there are people who are doing this job just for glory. I mean, in a way, that's what Mongol's doing. Mongol is basically just having a really big round robin tournament. Yeah. And I know I'm simplifying. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, he would do that to everyone everywhere forever. Like, he would continue yeah. that. Like, it's a matter of scale, right? Like, what? even if you're, like, small and petty, you know, you're still going to do it, like, whatever you're doing in that context, like, a massive scale. Whereas... Like it's big because it's superheroes, but I'm not sure if, if if the Green Scar Hulk would, you know, put his rage onto everything in the universe. It's like, but like, what? Wouldn't he? Like, if he had one, would that have been the taste that he needed to take over the universe? Like, would that have been it? Because you know, because you know how like revenge is really satisfactory in superhero stories. Like, you always get your revenge, and you're not happy about it. So it's yeah, like, and also when you're talking about Hulk as a character, like. One of the shticks of the Hulk is the rage only goes in one direction. It only gets worse. Mm. So you've got a very strong case that after he's exacted his revenge on Earth and on humans, it's what's next? What's the next thing he can be mad at? And, the, like... Yeah, you probably... I'm, I'm absolutely... Sh- 
I'm absolutely sure they could find the next thing for him to get pissed at. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing, too. Like, his supporting cast would have fed his anger, right? Like, they would be like, okay, and now let's go get these motherfuckers. Like, I bet you Korg would be like, hey, you know who also fucked up my people? Thor. You want to go fuck with Asgard? Yeah, let's go fuck with Asgard. Yeah. I can yeah. see that. And, like, there, there is a, there is a lot of, there's a lot of ways you could take that story. Um, and I, and I do quite like the idea that, um, that you, the story that you would then play from that, um, would be, you could almost get, like, a, kind of like a band of, like, you could almost be paternal about it, where Hulk's like, alright, I've fucked up everything here, I've had my revenge, I have left a crater, I have left my scar, who's next? Who pissed off you, my friends? Who hurt you? Let's go. And just basically uh, a sequence of Hulk does dumb revenge shit the whole galaxy over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling that, actually. I think I think you might be right. I think the Hulk in like, that context... Ultimately, the motivation at the heart of World War Hulk and why he didn't stop when he was... Like, like when someone finally contacted Banner and Banner was like, no, fuck you guys, he's right. Um... Part of that was be born out of love, and that's kind of like one of the nice things about World War Hulk. At the root of it, in the for all the carnage of it, it is still absolutely the Hulk, the Hulk's love for what he had being turned to rage. And I kind of like that. Like there, is, there is a strength that he does not normally have. There. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He would make a great Red Lantern, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. But that would involve crossing that universe thing over. I'm just like, eh. anyway. But yeah, that's a damn. That that you hit me with a, a curveball there. I hadn't thought about. It. And that's that is the question of like, where does the origin and direction of these characters come from, right? Because a yeah, lot. That's the secret. That's the secret of this season. We're just going to keep going back to the Hulk. <laughs> uh, you do Hulk things, and I do Daredevil things. <laughs> I see. It, mm. But yeah, that. I, I actually thought I was going to wind up having to explain who the Magus is, but nah, fuck it. <laughs> and I haven't even, like, touched on Atrocitus, right? Because it's, like, so, like, Atrocitus. We touched on Atrocitus, we made fun of his name. <laughs> no, no. Oh, wow. Wow. Maybe I'm thinking, Annihilus. Annihilus is what I'm trying to think of. Right. Another equally dumb name. <laughs> like, that's that's one of the problems with these things in comics, in that you have this this web of, like, Things that are trying to have enough weight in their name alone to carry the the scope of a galactic threat, and it doesn't always work. And because a lot of the names are very similar, they all sound really dumb. In the same like, way, <laughs> the Mongol is a dumb name when you don't have Earth to come from. He's not the Mongol. He's just Mongol. He's a person named Mongol. He's Fred Mongol. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Fred Mongol was my father. I'm Frank. Yeah. But no, like, okay, so Annihilus, like, is Annihilus, like, because Annihilus is like a, he's not a person, right? He's like a robot, I think. Is it he? Or is he like a thing? Because, like, he looks Look, like a fucking robot. He's... If we get into what Annihilus actually is, it's going to inevitably involve someone mentioning his cosmic control rod. Sorry, what Wikipedia calls his powerful cosmic control rod. Uh, but, like, he's, like, he's kind of counts 
fits into this, you know, realm, right? But because of the fact that he owed, I mean, it's also like we. I think it's a psychological thing that I've had because we have been exposed to so many like space bug, like swarm aliens that that's all I think of when I see yeah. him. But he really does fit into this context, right? But I think of him in the same vein as like the Zerg, right? Or the fucking uh, Reapers. Yeah. But like. No, that works. Though. But he is. And, and Galactus was that once. Yeah. In Ultimates. Yeah. But. Cloud. Right. And we, I think of those as like forces of nature, almost cosmic threats in the same way as Galactus, because they just are, right? But Annihilus is a dude. Yeah. And he has goals. But. Which makes the whole Annihilation storyline weird, because it's like, oh, Annihilus, you know, Annihilus and his fucking Annihilation wave is a big deal. It's just another army, right? It's just a big bug army. And again, his army is manifested as, like, bugs, but, like, he's a person with, like, goals in that way. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, Annihilus is, Annihilus is complicated because he's one of those characters who has been low enough tier in terms of popularity, but high enough rank in power a lot of writers have kind of had a go at him. Um, and that means that you've got like the version of this a big green robot and you have a version of this like uh, like what if the ghost writer took over a praying mantis? Hmm. You know what I'm thinking yeah, so of? It's, um, yeah. Like the the one you're probably thinking of with the bugs is like from 2005? Yeah. I want to say. Yeah. But like does he like and now that I'm thinking of this, and now that you put me on this whole trip, let me ask you a question. Go on. Black Bolt. Yes or no? Could you restate the question? Does Black Bolt count in this context as a space tyrant? Absolutely. Yes? Oh, man. No no hesitation there. Straight up. Uh, the only thing that keeps him from being perceived as a, as a space tyrant is he hasn't done it yet. Mm. Uh, but Black Bolt is 100% has everything I need to think of him as a space tyrant. Bonus, the fucked up ideology. Yeah, yeah. He's a fucking eugenicist. Yeah. It's fucking, you know, blood quanta crap. So now, here's the question. Does that make World War Hulk a battle between two space tyrants? Yes! <laughs> and the good one won. <laughs> also, he... Sorry. Sorry, you... To, to double check something, I looked up a panel of, uh, of of World War Hulk, which I remember fucking loving, which is when a, a bit part character, Crow, don't worry, I'm nearly invulnerable, and Hulk kicks her and says, go be invulnerable in Jersey. And you just see her going streaking off the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, I have a lot of affection for Hulk in World War Hulk, alright? Look, man, look, uh, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have me arguing against you for the like having your favorite character insult and and sh- shit all over the rest of the Marvel universe. That's like half of the personality yeah. of Blade, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck these niggas. Blade, Blade is the Blade is the guy who is absolutely done with Wolverine's shit. <laughs> Actually, him and Wolverine get along okay. <laughs> they got along in that all right in that story where they killed Takashi Six Nine. Yeah, it's, it's just no, Takashi. Sorry. It's just him. I don't know how they got away with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, when, when you talk about Black Bolt, um, so just just to run down real quick, uh, Black Bolt is in charge of a force. He has uh, powers that make him a threat. So he, he had, like if Black Bolt ever wanted to throw down on the the Marvel universe, he like if he actually did want to invade Earth, 
He's got a good shot at it. Uh, he has a twisted ideology that has a monstrous outcome because, like, the best way for them to find more Inhumans is to just march people through the Terrigen Mists and people will die. And everyone who doesn't die will get a prize. And that's, like, that's, again, to, to evoke colonialism, that's a thing uh, uh, certain Protestants did in the United States. They marched uh, Native American populations through rivers. And it's like, okay, you're baptized now, and any that didn't come out and say a word right were, were shot. And, like, right. you could consider, like, the inhuman push of a few years ago to, like, put him in that realm even more, you know, because of all the shit, like, all the Terrigen, like, waves wafting over the planet, and yeah. all that nonsense. Yeah, that could have all been precipitated as an invasion, and they didn't do that because they like, well, because specific people in charge like Black Bolt, and they like the the humans. Well, and let's be real, the people making there's... those decisions don't care to that degree. They wanted him. Yeah. <laughs> they liked the money yeah. they thought they could make off of him. Yeah, what they wanted to do was to shift all the merchandise they could make selling Cyclops and Wolverine in generation, and they wanted to move that over to start selling Black Bolt, Medusa, and a third Inhuman. You don't know who they could be, and you don't care. Carnet. So I'm going to say his name is Gronky. <laughs> Actually, in all seriousness, it would have been Lockjaw. Uh, yeah. It actually would have been Lockjaw. They, they would have sold the shit out of Lockjaw. Uh, they still can. Black Lockjaw stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's the thing that's deeply frustrating about the Inhumans. The coolest thing they've got is Lockjaw, and then you look into it, and it's like, oh no, this is horrifying too. Fuck these people. Lockjaw may or may not have been a people. You know what? You yeah. know what? Thanos would turn somebody into a fucking dog. He would do that. Yes. And he would keep them around. Yes. Well, I mean, uh, uh, Thanos encased Cyclops' head in metal just to fuck with him. That's, um, that's, I would, that's, I mean, Magneto would also do that if he could. If he he probably yeah. has in some fucking story. <laughs> well, in the in the original Infinity War, Thanos like turned off a bunch of his powers and turned off his omniscience uh, to just have a big throwdown fight with everyone, and like that's supremely dumb. <laughs> and in that fight, he did a bunch of shit, like you know, uh, um, like I think he tried to make Captain America pray to him. It's been a it's been a month or so since I reread it, but like, there's a lot of stuff in that which is basically uh, an evil tyrant like playing with people like they were puppets. Yeah. In, uh, you know, like Jafar from fucking uh, Return of Jafar, that classic Disney movie that we all know and love. <laughs> <laughs> Who played the fucking dude? Who was the <laughs> lackey dude? This is Abismal. Abismal. Wasn't he somebody? Let me somebody with a name, like an actor of note. Uh, well, you know, this is definitely related, so just gonna look it up. Uh, <laughs> Jason Alexander. Okay, okay, I was yeah. thinking, like, Den DeVito or someone in that Jason Alexander. Yeah, well, no, Jason Alexander is a really good TV version of Danny DeVito. <laughs> he is, he is, like, he is Dollar Store, Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know... That's that's one of the things with a lot of these space turrets is that a lot of them are dollar store versions of Darkseid. <laughs> yo, but yo, yo, if they wanted to, like, dude, Nihilus's rival and later friend is Blastar, right? Oh, There's you... a lot of shit names in this area. Decide, uh, Steppenwolf, uh, Granny Ste- Goodness, Steppenwolf. No, no, 
Well, Steppenwolf is exceptionally frustrating as a name because it's a German word. And, like, if you're going to bring in German words, there are so many good, scary-sounding, badass German words. But do you know what Steppenwolf means? Mm. That, that, tell me. It means coyote. It's just... It's just a wolf from the steppes. Wait, they have coyotes in Germany? No, but they have words for coyotes because they're people. But wouldn't they just say coyote? Never mind. <laughs> yeah, it... I mean, it does, like, show. And again, they're, like, supposed to be the most, like, human, I guess, forms of evil you can represent, right? And the most, like, massive of scale and most alien. And in that way, you can see, like, what is the most evil thing somebody could think of, right? What is the most evil person? Because, like, yeah, sure, you could just have the Red Skull show up. And, hey, he's a Nazi pusher. But, like... Like we know that, right? That's not an abs. It's not like a raw evil. It's a it's a human evil. It's not just like a person who shows up and they are evil as an object, you know. Whereas, you know, yeah. oh, I love death, and I and I do whatever death says, or I am so I believe that the whole universe is bent to my will, or I am obsessed with war, or I'm a fucking eugenicist. Or I am a different type of eugenicist. There's a lot of them, huh? There's a lot of that particular one. Uh, but no, that whole angle, right? Like, because, you know, again, you know, fucking Cthulhu or fucking Galactus or the uh, the Celestials or the fucking Phoenix Force shows up. And that's not evil. That's just stuff. That's just, that's just fucking existentialism. That's just the universe. But Darkseid shows up. He is evil. He is evil incarnate. And that is this whole fucking thing. And that makes you question, that makes you like face, again, a lot of ideas, like you said. Like, you know, a space tyrant is more of an idea than an actual cosmic being, right? I was looking for this. Varen Wunderbar, Vermin Wunderbar, is a fucking Darkseid character. It's like, really? (laughs) Like, a lot of Earth-ass names, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of. This is one of the problems with a lot of these alien entities in the uh, Doctor Beth Prog Rock album of the whole thing. Yeah, it does all. Uh, it does all kind of filter together through the lens of humans, which is why, like, you know, I've burst free from the negative zone. I will conquer the world, and my name shall be Annihilus. And it's made worse by the fact that there's like a dozen other guys. Like, oh yes, uh, you related to Atrocitus? What? No. Why would I be? Well, it's a similar name. He's my cousin or something. It's fucking like uh, yo. That whole like spectrum of those like filmation fucking. You want to (laughs) talk? You want to talk prog rock, right? Thundercats, He Man, yeah, Thunder and the Barbarians, Shira, and that those guys, right? So like, Mumra, maybe. I would think. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, uh, from from Silverhawks, the villain of Silverhawks, who. His name Monstar, <laughs> and he's from the planet Monstar, <laughs> which orbits the star. The Monstar? <laughs> yes, yes, I like this. I can't believe I'm going to bat for this fucking show. But um, he's a good example of a space tyrant, especially because he does actually, like, the, the plot of the series does involve a lot of stories where Monstar and his band of rogues go to a new planet and they just conquer the shit out of it until the space cops arrive. And that is the thing, right? Because, like, 
this particular character type and even the like style and setting of him got like just just ringed dry in the eighties, right? <laughs> like this entire fucking yeah. oeuvre was just fucking <laughs> the, like the bread and butter. Also, of a there's whole... a lot of cocaine involved. <laughs> there's a lot of cocaine. Did they make the toys out of cocaine? I remember hearing that. Like the the nineteen eighties cartoon landscape in general, there was lots of cocaine. So lots of things got made without a lot of editorial oversight, and the editors themselves weren't paying that much attention because, again, lots of cocaine. It, but I mean, again, that's a like especially it's that weird thing, right? Because it can be very like childish and cartoony. And it's easy to translate into that way because it's the person who is just so evil that they just are evil, right? You know? Yeah, they're evilness. Right. As opposed to, like, you know, Magneto or anything. It's it's real easy to make that into a cartoon, especially if you never, like, state their purpose in that way, right? Like, you know, you just make those, like, fucking speeches and you never have to. And especially when they're fighting aliens, right? When they're fighting the Thundercats. You know, they can say all kinds of shit, and it's never like, hey, this sounds like that, because they're talking to like, people who are people, right? It's never, there's no, like, when Magneto says some shit, or when Apocalypse says some shit, there's a direct comparison, because it's fucking X-Men, and that's kind of the purpose of the X-Men, and it doesn't, you know, it's like, hold on, that, that causes more, like, comparison and more real-world thought, whereas, you know, fucking Hordak or Mumra talks about, like, you know, submission and what have you. It's like, all right, whatever. You're fucking talking to cast of cats. Who cares? Right? That's something you can give to kids without challenging them. And that didn't even look... Yeah. I don't even know how many humans... And also without having to introduce certain real-world horrible things. Yeah. Like, didn't... All didn't... Okay, I can't remember. Because right, I'm thinking of the O3 cartoon because that had plot. Um, weren't the Thundercat... Like, the Thundarians or whatever from, like... A different race, a different planet, and they were former slaves, and like all of them were dead or something. Yeah. So like you just 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 gloss over that whole genocide and enslavement thing. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Ba- ba- basically, you kind of you kind of have to. Uh, otherwise, you start kids on the on the path of. All right. So first of all, we're going to discuss the right to power. And it all goes real bad real fast. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, you'd be like, yeah, so now here are the Thundarians on their reservation. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. And then who's the bad guy? <laughs> we, we have this conversation. We have the space tyrant. Are there any other space tyrants you want to get a word in, but you just think are cool? Uh, teach us what to talk about. Here's the thing. Um... This is hard, right? Because I, 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 I didn't really get into Atrocitus all that much. But it also brings the question of, like, Sinestro was literally a tyrant of a planet. But then also, yeah. he, like, had a job. He worked for the Green Lanterns while he was doing it. And even though he's, like, you know, a, the leader of the Yellow Lantern Corps, it's still, like, hold on now. Like, how, like, you're just kind of an asshole, right? Like, yeah. despite the fact that he has all the feeling of it and he's the trappings of it because he's so wrapped up in like this entire context of working for other people and this other system that is clearly bigger than him it makes him feel like kind of a chump despite the fact that he's like the big green lantern villain and that i don't know that, that uh that vibe fucks it up uh 
Yeah. Zod. I can't believe we've gone this whole way without talking about fucking Zod. What? Well, here's the thing, right? He also, like, exists in an outside context. That context is gone, right? Like, he doesn't work for anybody anymore, but he used to. He used to be a fucking general on Krypton. But now Krypton's gone, so he's just the guy who shows up to fuck things up. So, hmm? It, like, again, he's, at the end of the day, like, he's just a fucking Kryptonian, right? Uh, like, there was that time, like, like, he's, he's, he's not as outside because, we, like, we are introduced to him through the lens of another Kryptonian. Whereas, and that actually is probably the same thing with, like, Atrocitus and, uh, Sinestro. It's a lot of these things. Sinestro, because it's like, they're still like, oh, I'm evil Red Lantern. Yeah, and I'm a Green Lantern. We cancel each other out. This is not special, right? Like where you under—I understand you because you're just like me. Versus like when Dark Side or Thanos comes up, you don't fully understand them at the moment, right? Yeah. So I don't know because Atrocitus feels like it. Like he has all the Atrocitus and Sinestro, Evil Lanterns. They feel like it compared to like fucking, <laughs> um, fucking. Oh God, I forgot his name already. Not Agent Orange. What's what's Orange's name? Um. Larflees, Larflees, right? So we've 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 gone places today. We've we've had a conversation. We've gone to the stars and back. <laughs> Any last words? Uh, uh, Before I crush your planet into dust, Dormammu. Hey, just name in spaceship. <laughs> it, uh, neither is Apocalypse. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Not everything in space in 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 fucking. Not everything space scale is a space tyrant. Like that's the thing, but like Dormammu is like he looks like the devil, but he's a dude. Like they fucked him up in that movie. Dormammu is like person. Like yeah, like he's it, it, just and, a person. And Dormammu is petty. Yeah, like mm, I don't know. I feel like maybe like I'd have to read more Dormammu. Like I have to read more Doctor Strange and that like old old seventies Dormammu would, was would do things to just fuck with Strange personally. Yeah. And like, like they turned him into a fucking god in the goddamn movie, and I feel like that was a bit of a waste, you know? Yeah, you know, like yeah, I don't have a strong opinion there. I still haven't watched it. Uh, well, uh, it was slightly better than Iron Fist. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> don't watch Iron Fist. Yeah, watch Doctor Strange instead. I guess it's gonna be real annoying when he's the basis of most of the shit that happens in the Blade movie. Oh no. You know it. You fucking know it. Yeah. And the but attitude we'll... they had towards magic, we're going to have to get into one day. Cause, uh, so, that's the space tyrant. That's what we think about it. That's what we think we can, you can use it for. And that's why we think that the Hulk is the best one. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll go with that. Yeah. He knows better than to disagree with me on this one. <laughs> <laughs> and, as ever always, that was Clay. That was Talon. And, uh, so, Clay, mm. if Dracula is on the moon, does he become a space tyrant? If? What do you mean, if? He was, during that Captain Britain MI16, or MI3. You didn't read Blade. It wasn't Blade, it was Captain Britain! <laughs> Blade was in it! 